Hey, thanks for joining us here on The House Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by this message. If you want to learn more about The House, check out our website at welcometothehouse.com or download The House app. Man, we, uh, well, I, I feel good. I'm back. I'm glad you showed up. That's good. That is good. Listen, we are excited that you are in the house. And I just want to say that if we haven't met yet, my name is Stephen. Uh, I'm the lead pastor here at the house. And my wife and I, we've been on vacation. And so we've, if we haven't met you yet, uh, we're going to be in the lobby afterwards. We'd love to just connect, high five, and, and tell you thanks for coming. We realize that there are a lot of great churches in northwest Arkansas. We are not a competitive entity, but we are on assignment. And we are, we are unafraid. Uh, we are not passive. We believe that God is moving and we want to be a part of it. And we believe that you have a part in it. And so um, uh, we actually probably believe a whole lot more for you than you are even, even know. Because that's what God does. That's what God does. God has great things, great plans for us. And I believe that he has great plans. Come on for you. Who, who would believe that? Who would believe that? Well, um, I, I, let me just say, I haven't been gone for a couple weeks, and I had uh, a, a couple of our guys hold it down, Pastor Debbie Dev and uh, Stephen Hill, and uh, bro, I, I think Hill got, I'm not, it's, not, it's not a competition, but uh, man, get better. <laughs> uh, uh, no. <laughs> but no, they did a great job. I have so enjoyed listening to... Um, the path uh, for progress, and uh, just, uh, it's awesome what God's doing. Um, uh, we don't, when we go, when we leave and go on vacation, and I'm just, uh, years ago, I had someone come up and say, well, I, I want to go to a church where I get to hear the same pastor all the time, and I said, uh, this isn't that church. There are other places that you can go. Well, and they were, like, surprised. And I was just like, listen, I'm not raising a church that revolves around me. I'm raising a church that revolves around God. And so we're going to train people up. We're going to give people opportunity. Does that make sense? And so uh, I'm super excited about our team and uh, all that they've done. Uh, they don't manage when I leave. We keep building. And so I just want you to know, like, the, the, the idea isn't keep it all together until I get back. It's, man, if we didn't grow, if we didn't change, if we didn't talk, if we didn't do, we didn't pray, we didn't work. And so, uh, y'all give our team a big hand. Yeah. Our time off, we, we, we had uh, 12 days, and we loved it. We had some time off, and uh, I had to learn to love it. I had to learn to love it. I used to hate it. I used to hate unplugging. Um, but, but now I realize, uh, through my wife's uh, encouragement, uh, I love what it produces. Uh, unplugging is a challenge for me. I don't know if you're the same way, but I, I, I am not in uh, uh, an assignment that I don't like. I, I love it. I love the people. I love the team. I love what we get to do. I love the development that happens every single day. Like, I, I don't just do it because it's the only way uh, to make a living or it's the only thing I know how to do. I just like literally love the church. I love missions. I love in helping people in the market. I love what we get to do. So to, to, to stop it and to unplug is actually a discipline uh, for me that I have had to learn. 
Um, and and uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about it today and, and as we're walking through this new sermon series that we're going to spend a summer through Ephesians. And uh, I, I want to just break it down. Some, uh, some Sundays we're going to go real fast. Some Sundays we're going to slow down. Uh, there's no way I can do a verse by verse because we'll be here until the, the return of Jesus. Uh, but, but we're going to get an idea of some things that Paul wants to tell the church. And I think it's going to be good for our church. Um, the Vacation's challenging for me uh, because um, every time I unplug, about five days after I unplug, I get discouraged. Did any of y'all do that? Like you run so hard and then you stop and then you start thinking. And, 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 and so I remember when I started in the ministry early on, I was like, what's wrong with me? You know, I would unplug and then, you know, and I, I realized that it was two things. It was me coming down off adrenaline and slowing down and talking to my family and not having anything to do and not being pushed and not, you know what I mean? But then it was also an attack from the enemy. So, so I began to realize, oh, oh, okay, now that I'm not moving forward in what I'm doing, I have to reprioritize what I'm doing. And so a, a lot of people uh, go on vacation, but they don't do it well. And I, I would just want you, I, and some of you are about to head on vacation. And I used to hate vacation. Um, uh, I, I hate spending the money. Come on, anybody like, I would love vacation if it's free. Like, where's that option? But my mindset had to change from vacation being an expense to an investment. And it doesn't matter where you go and how much you spend. It just matters that you're intentional and you put time and attention into it. And so for years, we didn't have a lot of money, so we went camping. And so uh, we, 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 we would camp in the hottest places. <laughs> like, Dad, why can't we go somewhere with air conditioning? Because the families that camp together stay together. <laughs> That's what Dobson said. I was like, I'm doing what Dobson said. It's torture. Uh, he never said I would be taking everybody camping and doing all the work. Come on, but I, but I but and, and so that's a that's a, a a topic for another day. But I I do think that uh, time, attention, investment uh, are all part of what you're doing when you pause what your normal routine and focus on your family, your friends, or whatever. And I would encourage you this summer, if you're going to do that, do it well. Do it well. I think earlier I said Ephesians. I meant Philippians. It's big and on the screen. Uh, started reading yesterday. <laughs> Listen, if you wanted to come to a perfect church, you but just got to go, go, you gotta leave. Because uh, uh, I'm reading how we do life. It's up and down, baby. Uh, but no, seriously, we're excited that um, you're here. Um, probably about, like I said, five days in, I, I would I'd get this heaviness. I would start thinking about what I should be doing, uh, thinking I'm not doing enough. What should I be writing? What should I be saying? What should I be investing in? Um, and, and I think that sometimes when all of the motion stops in our life, it's very easy for discouragement to creep up. So at Sunday morning, we put on the face. <laughs> but Sunday night, when the kids are in bed, come on, 
and we tried to get lost in Ben's watching that show and uh, trying to stay busy. But in that one, come on, that, that five minutes before you're, you're, you fall asleep, you start thinking, I shouldn't have acted that way. And, and, and sometimes it's fresh thoughts, and sometimes it's thoughts that are like five years ago. Come on, is it, we, is it, can we be honest today? Is that okay to be honest in church? Okay. And, and so thoughts start coming to our mind, and it's very easy for us to get discouraged. And I guess what I want to ask you is, how are you overcoming discouragement in your own life? Because the lie is that you're the only one dealing with it. If you really talk to a lot of people, people are like, wow, I, I, I never get discouraged. I ne-. If you don't get discouraged, you're probably not really aware of what's going on in your heart. You haven't paused and slowed down enough to contemplate life. But for those of us that have had pause moments, uh, it's easy to live in regret and be frustrated by the things you can't control. In fact, here's what David wrote. David wrote this in Psalm 6, verse 2. He said, Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled. Like that's, that's, that's David. That's king. That's, heart, that's heart, man who had the heart after God. That is, that is Mr. Anointed David. Giant killing David. Victory walking David. Come on to that. That is great stories David. That is David who got songs sung about him. You know what I'm saying? Saul kills thousands. David kills ten thousand. Wicked, wicked. I mean like, like it is, it is like David. And languishing, what does that mean? It means failing to make progress. Are you ever discouraged by the fact that you're not where you want to be when you want to be there and there are so many hurdles to having the relationship I want, the connection with my spouse that I want, the finances that I want, the kids, come on, the maturity. I just long for the day when we can all sit at the table and not spill something. Come on, where are my people at? Hallelujah. I can't wait to buy nice things, but it's coming when you leave. Come on. That's why parents got the couch for 20 years because you're going to mess it up. You ever go to elderly people's home and you're like, how old is that couch? They just adopted the philosophy. We ain't buying nothing new while you're here. Then they were just like, yeah, money in the bank's better. <laughs> Listen, how do you respond when you're in a funk? When you're in a under it. Does your faith and your relationship with God help you overcome discouragement? See, the Bible tells us that we can resist the enemy and the devil will flee from us. James, that's James chapter 4, verse 7. It says when we submit to God, meaning we do what God asks us to do, then we have the power and the covering, come on, to resist the enemy. And I don't know if you know this, but you don't have to entertain every thought that the enemy puts in your head. Your mind isn't a garbage dump for the devil. 
Your mind isn't a garbage dump for everything that you've ever done wrong. And you, the Bible tells us that we can resist the enemy. And so I'm just telling you, I, I, we got to talk about it. Because now we're in a non-resistance culture. We're creating weakness so much that it's like we, we, we don't know how to resist and push back things. And so we're in a world that is like, don't, don't, don't. Don't push, don't be rude, don't be whatever. And I get it. Kind is a fruit of the Spirit. Nice isn't. Don't train your kids to be nice. Train them to be kind. Kind is a fruit of the Spirit. Nice is culture and it's subjective based on what everybody else thinks your family should be. Come on, does that, does that make sense? But, but the reality is there's got to be a little fight. You, you got to have a little eye of the tiger playing when you're living life because you've got to resist the inner. I don't have to think that. I don't have to ponder that. I don't have to dwell in that. I know I should have done this. I know I should have done that as a parent. I wish I hadn't have done that. I wish I wouldn't have taken that job. I wish I would. And, and before we know it, we live life on woulda, shoulda, coulda. And now you're living your whole life backwards in regret versus forward in purpose. So here's the deal. This summer, we're going to walk and work our way through Philippians. And the book of Philippians is one of the most quoted books in the Bible. Paul gives us so many one-liners that help ignite hope and confidence and joy, come on, in the believer. I mean, think about Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me, come on, say it, strength. We are when we're finished with this, I believe that you're going to have the necessary revelation to stay encouraged. See, so here's the deal. Listen, I, I, use, I chose the word stay on purpose. I don't want you to be encouraged. I want you to stay encouraged. Meaning I want you to battle until you find the place where your encouragement doesn't come from your circumstances. See, that would change the game for the church when I'm not going to church based on, I'm not going to life group based on, I'm not serving the Lord based on how I feel, but I'm actually, my joy and confidence come through the finished work of Christ. And while my, we sing the songs, when the world is crumbling, I don't even know the verse. You know what I'm saying? Like, a, don't make me sing to y'all. If I'm singing, you're leaving. But like we amen these and we're like, yeah, and my firm foundation, my rock. But it's like when we're in the moment and we get that text or we get that passive aggressive work issue or we get that whatever, then we're like, oh, no. Don't make me kick you in your, don't make me come for you. And here's the deal. God doesn't want you leaving the whole time in your life. But we will always leave if everything is based on feelings. God wants you to stay encouraged. Come on and fight through some things. To resist. Come on, some things. Y'all give the Lord a hand clap. Come on. Paul is going to instruct us that we can overcome discouragement. So you, you don't want to miss. And that we can resist the enemy. Philippians is a study on how believers can live in unshakable confidence and unspeakable joy. Unshakable confidence and unspeakable joy. So my assignment today is stay encouraged. 
Stay encouraged. Look at someone and say, stay encouraged. Come on, come on, come on. Stay encouraged. Philippians chapter 1. We're going to do 3 through 13. I'll finish it, uh, this first part up uh, next week. We'll do the next seven verses. But let's read 3 through 11. Paul is saying, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of Jesus. Okay, you just went to school. You turned off and you were, let the teacher and it was peanuts. And wah, 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 wah. Some of you this last week have been praying prayers, God, do you see me? Some of you have been frustrated because you feel like, come on, it's not happening fast enough. It's not happening quick enough. Uh, you're, you're aggravated, come on, and annoyed at where you're at. And I need to read this again. And you act like Jesus is having a latte with you. And you are right next to him in the stool. Uh, and he's sitting down and he's looking in your eyes. And he is saying, yo, what I began in you, I'm going to see it through. Look, look, I'm going to complete the work because you didn't say yes to me. I called you and then you said yes. You came to me because I called you. I put that thing in your desire in your heart. I hardened hearts and I softened hearts and I softened yours and I drew you unto me. And so don't get it twisted. You're not choosing just me. I chose you and I asked you to come and you said yes. And because of this partnership, I'm doing something in your life. And you you want to take on the wheel. Come on. You, you, you want to drive it yourself because you think you can do it a little bit faster. You think you can get there a little bit quicker. You think you know the roads to take. But every problem I'm putting you in is healing you. You don't know that I'm healing you, but I'm putting the people around you to get out what's in you that you didn't know what was in you. And you think, come on, come on, hear what I'm saying. And I'm doing something. Come on. I'm doing something in your life. I'm doing something in your work. I know you want to leave. I know you want to flight, flight, flight or freeze. I know that you want to stop but I'm doing, I'm calling out. I'm perfecting and what I do, I don't do like a microwave. I do it like a crock pot. I build it over time. I season it. I do it because here's the deal. Every revelation that you begin to speak out of your mouth is attacked by the enemy. So I work slow and I build strong. I don't do fast. God doesn't do fast. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about Joseph. Joseph had a dream. The dream was way over there and years. Some of you are so anxious because you want God to move faster and God's like, I move at the speed of your submission and obedience. That's how fast I move. What are you willing to give up? I'll go as far and as fast as you're willing to give up. Come on. Verse 7. It is right for me to feel, we're going to come back to this, this way about you because I hold you in my heart and you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and the defense and the confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with affection of Jesus Christ. 
And it is my prayer that, that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and discernment so that you may approve what is excellent to be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. We're going to break this down. It's important that you get the tone and the vibe of the letter that Paul is writing. Paul is situationally hindered. Okay? In other words, he is not where he wants to be. He has been placed somewhere. You may not be where you want to be. You have been placed somewhere. Maybe by your own choosing. Maybe by someone else's choices. But yet here you are. He isn't writing, Paul isn't writing this from his four-star tent club when he's looking at a wonderful seven-story view, scenic. He's not posting on his B-reel. He's, he's not, he's not um, winning by society standards. He probably wouldn't be in the top 50 awesome ministry leaders of the world. Paul is in jail. He is where criminals are held. Paul doesn't seem discouraged. He is in a dirt, dirty, dark, dingy. The environment are it is there's a lot of evil, and yet he doesn't write the letter. If y'all love me, come get me out. Because that's the letter I'd be writing. The letter I would be writing would be form the posse. Bring lots of rocks. That's not what he says. So here's the thing. Is that, is that Paul isn't, he doesn't seem down in this letter. He doesn't seem like a victim. Paul is full. Paul is full. What is he full of? What, what is Paul full of where he can be in a place that he never wanted to be encouraging others? And so is there a place in your life where you can have, you, you don't have the family you want yet. You don't have the marriage you want yet. You don't have the finances you want yet. You don't have the success you want yet. You don't have any of the things that you want yet, but yet can you be full enough to still minister? Come on, hear what I'm saying. And so th this idea is that my joy does not come from my circumstance. So how do we stay full when we're in a season that's not fun? How do we stay full when there is adversity? How do we stay full when we, listen, this is the hard one, when we're not in control of every season, every conversation, and every moment? Here's what I want you to know. Adversity will either activate your faith or your fear. Adversity will either activate your faith. Now I have an opportunity to believe and see God be faithful. Or it will, it will activate your fear and you will believe the worst. You will think about the worst. And you will begin to build an environment, a worldview, and a perspective off of negative, fearful things. That's why you have to have healthy dosages of the news. I am not saying don't be informed. Be informed. 
But I am saying if you're holding on to every pundit, then they are producing a spirit of fear and inadequacy and that everything's going to fall apart. And I need you to know that what, what are you digesting? Okay? Every night you're watching horror movies, and I'm not talking about legalism or whatever. I'm just saying every night you're digesting negativity and fear and whatever. So when you're squeezed, what's going to come out of you is fear. See, you don't know that the last relational fights that you've had with your friends have all been fear-based. You thought they were going to leave you. You thought they were ignoring you. You thought they didn't like you. And you thought they were hanging out with somebody else. And so you made all of that up and you fought about something that was not true because you didn't walk in faith, you walked in fear. Come on. The Bible actually tells us that there's only two places to live. You either live in faith or you live in fear and that's it. We try to make it complex, but really it's very simple. You live in a spirit of faith where I believe that God has good things for me and he will teach me what I need to know and the Holy Spirit is empowering in me and then it helps me navigate and God directs my path and lights my path. He leads me from behind and I begin to walk forward. Not pain free, but he navigates me. Or I live in fear thinking that every one of my choices and every one of the other choices of other people affect me and I am all, you can't make a decision about throwing some stuff away in your house because one of your family members may get mad at you? What? Can we give this away? No! Because if Aunt Susie calls and wonders where it is and she will call, I promise you. It won't be today. It'll be five years from when we threw it away. And she'll be like, do you still have so-and-so? Can I just tell you something? If you give something in HRs anymore, don't ask. Y'all should have clapped on that. Don't give me anything you want me to manage. Don't give me anything that you want back. If you give it to me, it's mine. That's it. We're done. Stop controlling people with gifts. Your gift isn't an opportunity to manage their life. I'm going to give this and see what they do. Geppetto. I know I need to move on. Some of that was flesh. I just want to say that. I know that. I, I know that. I know you know that. So I'm sorry. That's why we're going to read 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and what? Self-control. There is something that's leaving the church, and it's self-control. We feel like every problem or issue or pain that we have is because of the system in the church, or the people in the church, or whatever, but God says that you can operate in self-control. In other words, you don't have to say what you feel. You don't have to go... You... Out, you, we've had 10 years of this culture that says everything you feel is real and you got to be you. And you got to say everything that you feel because if so, you are not being intellectually honest. The, all I'm telling you is that destroys society. It doesn't build society. And if you say everything that you feel, you ain't got no friends. Can we just be honest? 
Well, I just got to say it and they can deal with it. That's why they don't call. It's the reality. Self-control helps me live between the margins of what I feel and what God says. And it gives me a little bit of a pause in my reaction so that I can bring it under submission so that I can live fruitful. Come on, hear what I'm saying. Faith in Christ's finished work keeps you full. We got to keep the main thing, the main thing. The main thing for each believer is for you to begin to navigate your life in such a way that you are not always empty. I'm not saying that you won't have seasons of emptiness. I'm not saying that you won't have seasons of distraction or even temptation. But I am saying to you that the goal of your life is to go, okay, I'm depleted. And every time I'm depleted, here's what happens. When I am not full then I am more fleshly. And so things get to me a little faster. I get frustrated a little bit faster. I get whatever. And so that's why we pray. That's why we read the Bible. We don't do it for religious homework. We don't do it so that you become a better Christian. We do it because your spirit life needs needs fuel. And you're going to meditate on what you feed it. And so that's why we get into the Bible. That's why we discipline ourselves so that we stay full, so that when adversity happens, we're not in the dungeons of seasons in our life, moaning and crying and begging God, I thought you loved me. Bro, I love you. Paul, I put you in jail because you're, you're way too busy. I needed you to write some things. You were traveling way too much, bro. So yeah, I'm sorry about the, I'm sorry it wasn't a four star. But I need you to write that letter because the church is going to read it for the next up 10 years. Come on. So let me give you two ways um, to stay encouraged. I'm going to give you one today and then we'll talk about the next one next week. Um, When we read Paul in in the first 11 verses, um, my first thought is this that we as a church body have to continue to feel gratitude and affection. It is our job to live grateful and love people. We are the ones, okay? The, the The church is the one to model love in a way that's not just conditional. Okay, and so the enemy wants you to give in to rejection, regret, and rage. Rejection, you're, you don't see me the way I need you to see me, and so I'm frustrated about that. And rejection happens all, all, all along the way. Um, in every season, there is something new to be heard about. And so you have little kids and you're playing with a couple moms and one mom says something about your child and they did not mean it mean, but because you're still healing, you took it the wrong way and now you don't text them back for seven months. On the opposite end, you're later in your life and you want your kids to be more present. The truth of the matter is, there is never a season in your life where you're not going to have to resist the enemy when it comes to rejection, regret, 
and anger and rage. Come on, does that make sense? Paul shows us the responsibility to stay encouraged. In other words, Paul lives with a responsibility. He doesn't live with um, uh, listening to a podcast and being hype. He actually has developed spiritual discipline and that discipline has been forged in knowing and having a relationship with God so that when he gets into situations that he did not ask for, he is not rocked. Okay, come on. So, so here's my idea on this. My, my son plays basketball and there are tons of positions. There are um, tons of roles to be played. Uh, and, and, and for that role to, to flourish, you have to accept the responsibility. So there's uh, um, offense, defense, a defensive specialist, offensive specialist. There are um, centers. There are uh, posts. There are shooting guards. There are point guards. There are coaches, assistant coaches. There are practice players. I mean, I mean you, you go on and on. And so all of these people are important to build, come on, a quality team. You need all of these players. And so... We actually need the church to accept its role and responsibility so that we can go out and push back darkness and be a light. Come on, does that make sense? And and the truth of the matter is, um, when we're always discouraged, we relinquish our responsibility. I love that no matter what happens, Paul is playing his role. He, he, he is saying, I'm not present with you, uh, uh, Philippi, but I can write to you. And so some of us today, I believe the Holy Spirit is saying that you've been so focused on getting to Philippi that you're missing the fact that there's a paper and pen. I can't be present, but I can pray. I can't talk to you, but I can honor you. I can still encourage. I can still respond with confidence and joy. Paul isn't offended, agitated, insecure. He isn't given, come on somebody, to discouragement. Paul's joy doesn't come from situational moments. And if you're only serving the Lord because you have Pinterest beautiful days, then the enemy is going to come and try to still kill and discourage that so that you think it doesn't work. Paul's joy comes from his salvation and continuing the mission. He is confident in the finished work of Christ, so he's not singing like Bono. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And some of you, here's the sad thing, is that you've been in church and you've got religion and you've got attendance, but you don't have relationship, so there's still a longing in your soul, and you're like, I'm trying to do all the X's and O's that church provides, but if you're missing, Missing the foundation, Jesus, the cornerstone, then it's not about framework and serving and life groups and all the agenda. It is about Jesus. We never want the church to submit to the system. We want it to submit to the Savior. Come on, does that make sense? We use all of the system and the structure so that you're not confused when you get here. What do you do? That's so that we can have clarity. That's so that you can have some expectation. That's so that we do not overcommit and underdeliver. But that ain't it. 
and I want to encourage our body. Paul is literally lifting up the church in Philippi. Paul didn't find religion. He found restoration. And that's why his hope was strong. Y'all don't even know who I was. Man, I was a murderer. I was prideful. I was arrogant. And yet God has seen fit to use me in his plan. And I don't care where I am. Because I know where I am is not where I'm staying. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to see Jesus. I'm going to get to I'm just telling y'all, the glory that is set before me is nothing. And so all of this stuff that I'm around and in is not who I'm mad at, what I'm frustrated about, where I want to be, what I want to do. And it's like we're, we're, it's like we're, we're the three-year-old telling our parents, I don't want to eat that. And God's up there going, <laughs> really? Really? Never underestimate. Come on, let's talk about roles and responsibility. Never underestimate when the Holy Spirit says, send that text, make that call. Uh, give a word in due season. Prophesy over that person. Love on them. Give to them. Do them. Write that check. Do that thing. Whatever. Paul tells us, hey, yo, yo, right in the second or third verse, he's like, y'all have been with me, and I honor you for that. Thank you. And so I, all studying this over the last couple of days, I have been so encouraged by the countless people that show up and serve and get everything ready in the worship environment, the sound team, production team, Carissa coming, all of the people who are, you don't ever see all of the workers, come on, in there. Don't, don't walk by the kids' area and just be frustrated. <laughs> oh, my gosh, I have my tag. We're not paying nobody back there. This thing's run on mission, baby. And so if you're mad about it, fix it. But see, that's the difference. This is not a hotel. It's a battleship. It's a, it, it may be a hospital, but we're not coming here to serve you. We're coming here to empower you. We're coming here to educate and, and to strengthen and whatever. So you can't come here and get your way. But you can come here, submit to the Lord, resist the devil, change your whole life, and cause winning to happen for legacy and generations. And the Bible says that the transformation that can happen in you can happen to three generations. Three. So here's the thing. Is the decisions that you make today have a crazy long effect. That's why it's so important that you're consistent. That's so important that you jump in. Philippians chapter 1 verse 7 says, It is right for me to feel this way. It's interesting that he uses terms like hold, yearn, affection. And I just need to talk to all of you who are serving real quick. Let's have a little staff meeting, just, just me and you. It is so easy to minimize all that God is doing here because we take it for granted or we're too busy. And I just need you to know that Paul is challenging us that ministry is not just about production, okay, facilitation, and serving, it's relational. And so it, there's an emotional and relational thing that happens with people, and that's why people talk about church hurt, because the business world and the church world are different. The church, the business world, says that they love relationships. 
And I'm not saying that they don't have a culture of values of loving people. But the truth is a business operates to sell a product and they need people to sell the product. A church operates with relationship first. And if I buy into you, then I will step in and start doing something. And so there will always be church hurt in the church and that's not because of I'm not we're not talking about like affairs and embezzlement and whatever those are that's a whole nother level you understand we're talking about normal life there are imperfect people leading imperfect people and everybody's working on their stuff and everybody's growing and so it you you will be triggered if you really do love and so the sad thing would be that you could be in a church where you don't feel any of these things. And I'm just telling you, that's a very sad place to be because that means your heart is hard. And you're coming here for content and not connection. And I can tell you this, content will not save your life. Man, y'all go ahead and come up. Content will, will not do it. As you begin to grow in your knowledge, in your discernment, and your love and there are things that Katie and I are working on I, when when Paul began to talk a little bit about that yearning Katie and I are in a new season we have a, our, our oldest son Trevor he is at a summer camp and he's been there for four weeks he's going on his fifth week and this is the longest that, that he's been away from us and and there is a a, a, a longing a yearning and so it's so weird so I have a new respect for everybody in their later season and so if you find me coming to hug you a little bit more I'm starting to get it I didn't know I, mean, I knew you know, you know there's some things you know and then you get a revelation and so here's what I thought here's what naive pastor here's what I thought we're going to take care of you we're going to provide for you we're going to sacrifice for you and then you're probably going to let us know about your life And so I didn't think that even if they move out, how the relationship would totally change. And there's this idea that you only hear from your kids when there's a problem, when they need some wisdom, or when they have a random moment where they're, they just have the care bug hits them. But it's not consistent. You're like, oh, my kid's calling. Oh! And it's like, oh my gosh, but I'm on the restaurant. Ah! <laughs> you're, like, you're like, I gotta take it. And so here's this, wrapping up this thought, because it's going somewhere. Is that, is that, we did a vacation, it was our first vacation without our older son, and it was like, this is fun. All the other kids, we love them too. Uh, uh, uh. But, but it was just like, huh, ah. Uh. And I, I was reminded of Paul talking about how he felt and the yearning and the desire to be with them. And, 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 and I started to understand that I had to change my posture from being discouraged to encouraged. And I had to stop being thirsty. God, I want time to God. Thank you for all the time that I've had. 
thank you for the moments and the laughter and the hanging out and the doing this and, and the bro moments and the Nerf gun fights that shot in the eye. And, and thank you for the and, and, and so Paul begins to posture himself and he's not in the place where, dang, I have so much to do and I have and I just, oh God. Because that's fear. But actually he's in faith. God, listen, whatever you've called me to do, if it's my time, if it's not my time, I have sowed the seeds that you've given me. They've been imperfect, but I've sowed them. And I am grateful and I'm remembering all that God does. And I need you to stay encouraged. Come on, you hear what I'm saying? We're gonna, you're gonna enjoy our time through Philippians. Um, but as we end, here's the thing. Paul is showing us a key to life. Do you still believe that success is the goal? Hopefully you've been ministered to by the Holy Spirit and you understand that the key to life is eternal salvation. And once you have that, everything, everything pales in comparison to that. And so that's the main thing. And then secondly is this, are your reactions fear-based? seen, I'm not heard, I'm not valued and inadvertently you're trying to control everything and everybody because you don't want to be hurt come on and so I want to talk about that but first I want, I want to position our hearts and, and I think today it would be awesome if you would say Jesus I want to be encouraged like Paul and even when I'm in a dungeon and darkness and frustration and, and jail and locked up, God, I want to have this encouragement and confidence and joy. And I want to minister even when I need ministry. And to do that, you have to be saved. You have to confess your sins. And you have to say, Jesus, I need you. here today and you've been discouraged, you can leave here encouraged. Your situation may not change today but I believe that it will as you begin to heal. So here's the thing, if you're here today and you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life, come on right where you're at will you raise your hand? Come on one two, three, thank you ma'am come on who else? Come on let, let me see you because I, I want to look at you because I, I do think that this is the building that we've created that, that, that y'all have helped build all of the stuff that we have the lights and all of that I, it, it's nothing but the moment where people move from death to life is the thing thank you for listening to this week's podcast we would love to hear how this message impacted you feel free to let us know on the contact us tab of the house website we hope you have a great week